Welcome to the Coaching Through Chaos podcast, helping you conquer the chaos in your life. Your host is licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Colleen Mullen. Dr. Colleen has been doing what she does for almost two decades. She's a private practice owner, a chaostician, and her work or writing has been featured on countless websites. Listen in as she brings you experts in the psychology of life. They may be New York Times bestsellers, key players in their profession, or people who have overcome tremendous obstacles in life and are here to share their story to help you live your best life. Let's get to it. Stay tuned for our next Chaos Crushing guest. Here is your host, Dr. Colleen Mullen. Hi, it's Dr. Colleen. Thanks for joining me today. I have a question I'm going to start out with for you. How do you think you'd handle it if your professional reputation was called into question? Well, that's what happened to my guest, and it caused all sorts of rethinking of her career path. And it was a career path that was very well crafted and took a long time to carve out to begin with. Wendy Bruton used to be a therapist, and now that's the name of her podcast, And I want to make it clear that she did not lose her license to practice therapy, but chose to give it up. And she's going to tell us the story of how surviving a year of professional trauma led to that decision, and now how she's pivoted and turned that same passion that she put into her therapy clients into her current work with women and a new passion for essential oils. And if you have any doubts about the usefulness of essential oils, I would encourage you to stay And listen, Wendy is a PhD educated person who was doing research and was a professor and did clinical work for 20 years. And so she did her due diligence in looking into how to use essential oils with her clients. And she's going to tell us all about what she has found um, through research and her experience. She's also taken her experience of having to rethink her career And turn that into the podcast, as I mentioned before, I used to be a therapist. And on that show, she has conversations that help support her audience around life transitions, different kinds of changes that they're going through, and everyone's need to feel valued. She really has a nice way about her and a really soothing voice. It was my privilege to join her on the show a few months back. She was curious about my transition into my sister-mother role with Susie over the last couple of years, and I really enjoyed it, and I now consider Wendy a friend. Wendy also happens to be 30-plus years married to her high school sweetheart, so I did pull out a little bit of relationship advice from her as well. Let's jump right in. All right, Wendy, thanks for being with me today on the Coaching Through Chaos podcast. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for letting me be here with you and join you. I know in the grand scheme of things, this was supposed to happen a long time ago. The pandemic happened and then we got backed up and here we are. But I hope today to cover a lot of different things because you're a person who has been around in different ways and really in positive ways. So you have a lot to uh, to to offer, I think, as far as your life experience and 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 actual knowledge and business expertise. We're going to start with your podcast. Well, actually, your podcast that was called "I Used to Be a Therapist," and <laughs> I gave a little hint of that in the intro to you. And right now you are working uh, primarily as a coach with women in transition and career transitions. But can you talk a little bit about what prompted you to personally 
get to that place where you used to be a therapist uh, and now you are a coach. Can you talk about that? Because that's a hard thing to do to leave a, a profession behind and especially one where you had to spend so many years, you know, trudging through the mud of academia and earning and, you know, kind of making your marks to get the license and all that stuff. So I'd love for you to share some of what went on for you. Sure. Yeah, I'll tell a little bit about my story. I always love to share my story with folks. So thanks. So I have a PhD in counseling education and supervision. And I was a therapist for years and years. And I taught at several universities. So I love working with therapists. And that's what I had done a lot in my career was actually be kind of a therapist for therapists, do supervision, which is clinical supervision in, in, in therapy. So I love working with folks who were therapists and working in mental health. But what happened for me was I, I owned a counseling center and I worked with about seven therapists that worked for me. And we had this really great like holistic approach to therapy. And so we had a yoga studio and a massage therapist to work there. And um, it was just a really great center. So at one point, several years ago, well, it was about five years ago, I received a report, a board report from a person that I interviewed actually to work for me. And I didn't hire her. And she reported me to the board for some things that she didn't think I was doing well. From one interview. From one interview. Or two meetings, yeah. Right. So she reported me, I had a board report, and it was about my, not anything about my counseling, not anything about therapy at all. It was about contracts. Um, So my contract was actually the same contract as about 350 different agencies in Oregon, because I live in Oregon. And uh, it was the same exact contract. But anyway, it was a long story, but the board decided to do some more investigation. And so I ended up having to get a lawyer and go through a whole year of what I call professional trauma. Um, It is. It was. It was very, very traumatic for me and for my family, for me personally and professionally, right? A lot of of my life was spent with this career and working at my business. So it was a very big professional, you know, trauma, but also a personal trauma. So I, I ended up having to go through this whole year of fighting and <laughs> it was just really hard. I wonder, you know, right, this per- professional and even personal trauma. Um, I imagine it's hard to focus and think about much else when someone has professionally attacked you, but we, we are our profession, right? I mean, so it is a personal attack when your professional license is put to the test. I think it really does um, speak to your values. Like it's as if they're attacking you, your person, as opposed to just your professional person, because accusing you of things that have less than the amount of integrity that you want to, you know, show to the world. And so it was very hard to go through and just to watch kind of my life at that point seemed to unravel, even though I was not losing my, mm-hmm. my ability to do be a therapist. I was, there was never a 
call for my license. There was never a limit on my ability to do therapy. There was never any of that. But the accusations were very damaging to my career. So when I was going through all this stuff, I just realized I didn't want to do that again. And so when it ended, I ended up having to, I ended up settling with the board. And when it ended after that, I gave my license up because I just said I couldn't do it anymore. And and at that point, I was very tired and very wounded, right? Um, Really had a lot of anxiety and fear and really shame just from going through something, even though I did not feel that I did anything wrong. It's still people have that sense of shame, you know, and when they are accused of things, sometimes that just brings up stuff. So yeah, that was a very big traumatic experience, right? To go through. Yet on the flip side of it, you figured out how to turn it into something new for you. So you gave up that license and that, I mean, that's heartbreaking. And I mean, if anybody, I mean, I have a lot of people who are in self-employed um, in different ways that listen to the show and, you know, just getting a, a bad Yelp review hurts, even when, you know, like it, it it's bunk, right? I mean, I, some woman thought I was too friendly on one of my videos when I used to do live videos and said I couldn't be a good therapist because I shared too much of myself. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe you should probably understand what therapy is. Then you'd want to like your therapist and want to know a little bit about her. But um, in any case, but it can it can consume you, you know, just on that end. And lots of people, right? Like we love and we hate Yelp. We love and we hate Google reviews and stuff like that. But um, but this is this is like gone after your your professional license. It what's it's what says you are allowed to be a therapist and and making that choice to voluntarily just not even to just to turn that in and say I am not going to renew it. I'm going to let it lapse. Where did you even find the confidence to flip into then into coaching, right? How did you, how did you flip and find the the confidence to go, you know what, I'm just going to pivot and do the next, maybe the next best thing or the next way where you can stay a helper and stay as involved in people's lives in that way. It took a while, right? <laughs> it took a minute to, to, uh, to get my feet back under me, actually, So I, when I was done, I just basically was in a very big sense of brokenness, a a big place of brokenness when that all happened. And I just said, I don't want to do this anymore. And I kind of backed out of everything and people were advising me, don't give up your license, you know, don't do this. But I just knew in that moment, I knew in my soul that I had to do that. And I did. And then I really went through a very deep grief, like just such deep grieving for that time, right? Like I, I hadn't really allowed myself to grieve at all through that time because I I basically thought I was like, I'm innocent. I haven't done anything wrong. So it's just going to go away eventually. Like eventually people are going to know that I didn't do anything wrong. And so I, I kind of kept thinking that it was just going to be okay. And then it kept not being okay. And so uh, when I was done with it and I gave my license back, I really did go through a real deep grief, a deep time of, of sadness and, and depression probably too. And so as I did that, I, I was very aware, which is kind of interesting. I was very aware of what was happening probably because my therapy 
person came out, you know, like, okay, this is what's happening. I can see this. And uh, one thing that I was really thankful for and, you know, using skills of just saying, I'm going to let my feel myself, I'm going to let myself feel whatever it is that I'm feeling. And I'm going to know that this isn't going to last forever. And I'm going to keep telling myself that. Like that was really what I did. I was like, I'm going to let myself feel what I'm feeling. If I'm feeling angry, I'll be angry. If I'm feeling sad, I'll be sad. If I feel scared, I'll be scared and I'll be okay in that. And so that was sort of the way that I went through things and I didn't do anything. I didn't coach. I wasn't pursuing any of that. So I, I really did that for about a year. Yeah. So you, you essentially took a, took a breather to kind of, get a, get a handle on how you were and where you might want to take your life from there, your career from there. I did. And I, I didn't really know. I like, I had absolutely no idea. And that's one of the reasons why I call my, uh, my podcast. I used to be a therapist because I, I would always tease people, you know, my friends, they're like, when I would say, I don't even know what to say that I do. Like, I don't even know how to explain who I am or what I how I contribute to the world when people are like, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I used to be a therapist, but I don't really know what I do. Right. Uh And and I would say to my husband, someday I'm going to do a podcast called I used to be a therapist because I have no idea who I am. Sounds like you found yourself pretty okay, or you're finding yourself and you transition though now into working primarily with my understanding is you work primarily with women who are going through the same thing in some way, a career transition, a major upheaval in life and um, taking them from one, one, one stage of it to, to the next or even to the end. In thinking about that, we all want someone that we can relate to. And you have this very like now public story because you're, you have your podcast and you, you know, guest on a lot of podcasts and your story's out there. How do you handle uh, the idea of, or have you gone through like imposter syndrome uh, with this new venture? Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, it's kind of scary for me to to go into this kind of, it was a scary thing for me to go into this venue of coaching um, because I just came out of something that's very similar, but I do in in my experience of therapy, as opposed to coaching the way that I really differentiate them. And that's what I was going to actually ask you if you could could talk about what's different now from before when you, when you were a therapist to now when you used to be a therapist, but now you're a coach, what's different? Sure. I think there's a big difference. I mean, for me, there is, although I did a lot of coaching as a therapist, I don't do therapy as a coach. And I have, what's been very helpful for me is that I don't really want to, like, (laughs) I, I don't want to do therapy as a coach right now. I mean, anyway, in my life. But what I see is different is that we all have that kind of this minimally adequate place, right? Like life is okay and things are okay. And we're just going to go along and there's nothing really bad, but nothing really awesome. It's just minimally adequate. Like we're, we're not too depressed and we're not too anxious and we're just going on and our relationships are okay. And there's no big deals in them. And when we dip below that line, that that is where you need a therapist. 
that when when you're having some issues and like this is not okay, like things I'm not able to function in my life in some area very well. Like it's not working out for me. So we need a therapist. And that is really to and therapy is really to get you back to that place of I'm going to function in the world. And that's what I think we're limited a lot of times as therapists. I mean, people are limited with insurance and stuff because insurance wants people to be minimally adequate and right. They'll pay to get people to minimally adequate, but coaches take people from minimally adequate to where they really want to go in life, Mm -hmm. like to this really great place, like something better. My life is good, but I want better. I want something great in my life and it's okay. I'm doing fine. I'm not, nothing's falling apart. But I, I don't know where to go from here. Now what? Right. And that's what I think coaching, that's where coaching comes in. Now, a lot of therapists do coaching, by the way. Yes, I am one of them. I love it. Right. Yes. Yes. But a lot of coaches can't do therapy without all those degrees behind them and the actual license being held. And that's what the difference is now with Wendy, too, is that Wendy's not holding the license. So she is strictly the coach. I'm just a coach. And I'm very happy about that. Like for me, for me, because I think because of, you know, traumatic experience and in, tra- in, in professionally, because of professional trauma, that for me, it is just so good for me to be able to help people get from this place of, okay, now what? Mm-hmm. Now what do I do? My, I, I went through this experience and I was sad for a long time and now I don't know where to go. And that is this perfect place for coaches to come in, you know? Yeah. And I'm going to ask you some specific questions about the women or the types of women that you work with a little bit later in the interview. And your new role also involves something that, you know, I I still see as a fringe kind of interest. Uh, I love it. But uh, what what Wendy does now is she actually, she loves it so much, she wrote a book about it, Uh, but she incorporates essential oils into her work, into her coaching. I know she uses them in her life. So, you know, uh, in your book, I I loved how you spelled out and you're like, hey, I was a university professor, a licensed therapist, you know, I'm a science-minded person. And here I am, you know, sniffing oils and, you know, believing in them because there really was science behind it. So can you talk a little bit about how you even got turned on to that and what your impression was? Because I, I love the oils. And in fact, I use one that you, I think you sent me when we did your episode. I rub it on my wrist right before some stressful sessions and I just enjoy it. But can you talk a little bit about how you got there? Like, <laughs> Yeah. And actually that was, you know, essential oils was a big a big uh, motivator for me to be able to move from being a therapist into not being a therapist. So I actually had been doing some research with students and and therapists that I that worked for me um, on different kinds of modalities uh, in therapy. It had nothing to do with oils. And I somebody gave me a piece of research that talked about using essential oils in therapy and I thought it was good research. So I'm like, Hey, let's try it. Let's, let's do something. We'll add this and see what happens. And there was amazing results, like really big results. And I didn't understand why I, I have really had always thought essential oils were kind of woo woo and fringe, you know, (laughs) 
And but what we have found, what I found actually, is that using oils on our bodies and even in therapy with clients, putting them on them, like or letting them put them on, or diffusing oils in counseling or in coaching or just for yourself, if you have really good pure oils, this isn't just oils that you buy at any random, you know, 7-Eleven or something, but like that you get really, really good, pure oils, strong and potent oils, and they work in our bodies. The, the molecules of those oils work in our bodies in the same way that pharmaceuticals do, the, the molecules do. So the, the thing with oils is that they are what's called complex compounds, which is also a big sciencey word, but um, complex compounds, there are more than one kind of molecule in each essential oil. And so they balance out our cells rather than with, with all pharmaceuticals, there's just one or maybe two different kinds of, of molecules that are in each pharmaceutical. And so it comes into your cell and it you know, stops whatever it is that's going on. Say you have ibuprofen, for example, and you're taking ibuprofen and you have firing cells that are, uh, the proteins are firing inside their cells that create this headache. Well, you take this ibuprofen and the medication goes into your bloodstream, right? And then it goes and it stops the cells from firing, from the proteins from firing so that the cells calm down and you don't have a headache. And the the molecules are the same size molecules as essential oil or essential oils, the same size as, as pharmaceuticals. And actually about a little over 50% of all pharmaceuticals are cre- are made with essential oil compounds. Like, and so, because they're easy to find and that's how they find them. And so then they'll separate them out in and create them again. And which is wonderful. And by the way, I'm, all about medication. I'm like, mm-hmm. I am not. Yeah, that's not to say that, right. That people who need medication for their bipolar maintenance oh gosh, or no. other things, this is not to say that this isn't in, 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 um, in exchange no. for getting someone off medication. This is an adjunct or for some people who, especially in coaching, right. That's out of the scope. So you'd be saying, Hey, this may help you. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I would say go to your doctor anyway, right? Like even in, in coaching, I would say you need to go see a physician or a therapist and and maybe look into some medications, but I'm not at all anti-medication at all. I'm actually really pro-medication. And one of the reasons why I started um, getting into essential oils even before I was not a therapist, right? While I was still a therapist is because I saw so many people who... Um, have mental health issues who are getting off of their medications because they didn't like the side effects to them. But sometimes essential oils can, you know, can work in our bodies to balance out our bodies enough that it even helps with the side effects. So people will stay on their medications more. And so I really, really loved using essential oils for that purpose so that they can be better, you know, like, and I know that's, that's a huge deal. And so there's there's a lot of research studies. There's a research study. I know that we were just talking about different ones or you had asked about them. And um, there's this one study that's just come out of Brazil that's just this amazing study on using oils for anxiety and that it can decrease anxiety as much 
or more if you use essential oils than anti-anxiety medications. So it's just, it, they're very, very good. There's so much study. There's a really, really great study that came out of um, Australia that uh, just not too long ago on rosemary essential oils being used for memory, uh, a fabulous study. So they're, there's, they're really getting more and more out there. Great. And, and, and uh, before we get too, too far away from it, when we're talking about using oils, what do you mean? Because I think of the aroma diffusers or the little roll-on like you sent me and I just put it on my wrist and I feel like it, you know, it's a little calming scent. How do people use oils for therapeutic uses like this? How do they, do they ingest them in some way or is it just through the nose? Um, most oils you should not ingest unless you have very, very pure oil. So I work and I only use Young Living essential oils and those oils, they have a whole line that you can ingest. And so those are good too. But honestly, it's um, it's not neat. You don't need to. You can put them on your body pretty much anywhere and it'll go through into your skin and into your bloodstream. So the molecules are very, very small. They're absorbed into your bloodstream very quickly. When you put them on, like if you put oils on your, I sometimes put it on my spine, like the back of my neck, and I'll put oils there. And if you put oils on your skin in 20 minutes, they're in every cell in your body. It's it's the same thing as if you take ibuprofen, right? We were talking yeah, about that. That's really wild. That is really wild. So what are the kind of things that a person can get? actual relief from, because uh, I know you and I talked beforehand, you knew I had some pain. You said, oh, I'm going to send you something for pain. Um, can can it really relieve pain? Like I think of when you say that, I think of like, like the medicated creams have a scent to them. Like, is it like that, that the scent is like, like there's something in there that's penetrating the skin that relieves some of the pain? Uh, like what are the things that people can benefit from? Like, is it depression, anxiety, pain, those kind of things? Anything that you have that your body's out of balance. So if you have pain, physical pain, or if your body needs to have some like cleansing of different things, even your you know, intestines or whatever, like all of that can be, you can use essential oils. They're, they're just, they're just natural remedies for pretty much everything. I, wow. mean, I mean, and just like medications, right? So people can take um, one kind of antidepressant and it doesn't work, but then they take another kind of antidepressant and it works really well for them, right? It's the same thing with essential oils. Sometimes you try one kind and it doesn't really work for you, but then you try something else or a combination and it'll work better for you for really kind of deep sadness. And so there's, or for pain and your knee hurts really bad. And then this is what happens, you know, and, um, uh, you, you can use one kind of oil and it doesn't really, really work for that, but another one, it totally works and it helps you. So it's, yeah, you just roll it on, put it on your body, <laughs> breathe it in, whatever. Yeah. I really had no idea that they were that, uh, I would say complex, but yes, complex, but also, you know, just really had that kind of use and then with the science to back it up, it's, I'm fascinated. And, um, 
Uh, Wendy did write a book on this. It's called Essentially Better. And uh, we're going to have it in the Amazon bookshelf. And I'll give you the link to that in the show notes. But And we'll review that before we end too. But we still have plenty more to talk about. Uh, you know, I know you, I think you tried it on yourselves on yourself in the beginning. When I said yourselves, I think uh, you're husband. You and your husband <laughs> trying different things. So, because I, I, I assume if you're going to, jump in and go, hey, this is going to work. It's different than the medication, right? Because we can't try all the antidepressants and be like, hey, this works and that works. But but the oils, so you had specific things and you tried things out and so you found you got relief. Yeah. So my husband, well, I, I mean, actually, I had this oil kit, right? Um, before all of this. And it was at my at my office and I used it just to make my office smell better because actually people were really allergic or had responses to different scents that I was like spraying or I would, you know, burn whatever. And it was, they didn't, people would really respond badly to it. So I started using just diffusers for no therapeutic benefit. It was not intended for therapeutic benefit. It was intended just for making my, making my, my office smell better. Right. Um, So I had some oils. It wasn't like I never had them. Um, but I never used them. And so my husband, when all this stuff started with the with the research, he had allergies and he was all stuffed up and everything. And I said, my friend says, well, you should try um, lemon, lavender and peppermint together and just have him try it. I was like, that's silly. So um, but I told him that I, I was saying, well, my friend Sue said you should just do this. And so he tried it. And honestly, from that day on, he has used it every single day. Wow. He rolls it at on at night, he rolls it under his nose and that's it and he's not had any issues since then. Amazing. Isn't that bizarre? And then also for me it's really been a hormonal issue like like no more because I you know going through menopause and stuff. I have it really helped me with with hot flashes like just helping my body balance, right? So so it's really reduced the intensity and frequency of hot flashes for me, just my own self. And um, it can do that for lots of different hormone issues. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, um, we'll definitely put some links to um, the company that you mentioned and some of the research too. I'd love um, to share some of those research because I know people are going to want to see that. Um, So that will be fun to put together for the show notes. This is just fascinating. And now you, uh, use the oils with most of your clients. Is that right? Is that just kind of a little adjunct to what um, your coaching method is, is you can bring in some of the oils with the clients? I almost always use oils because I think it gets people to where they want to go faster. It's gentle. It's um, it just can get people. I do um, uh, what's called AFT. It's very similar to EMDR only just uses oils. So it uses sort of an EMDR protocol, but very, but just with essential oils instead of bilateral. Okay. And EMDR is a, a trauma treatment, a trauma, a trauma modality uh, for uh, helping someone who's uh, restructured their trauma in their brain. Right. Right. And so instead of using bilateral stimulation, this just uses essential oils and hits different parts of your brain and um, can really help reprocess memory. I, I use that a lot. Uh, use what's called AFT, Aroma Freedom Technique, and you can look it up anywhere. It's out there. 
Uh, so I got, com- I got trained and certified in that after I quit because I, after I quit being a therapist, because I really loved that. So I use that a lot in my, my practice. Wonderful. And now I want to ask you more a little bit about, about your practice and particularly about the women, because I think when we want to make a major change, uh, like, you know, my major change happened at at 30 when I left New York to come to California and just become a therapist and go to graduate school and just go, you know what, I'm, I'm either going to do it now, or I probably wouldn't do it if I waited any longer. So, uh, and I probably wish I had pulled on some support. I did go to therapy during that time, but it would have been nice to have uh, particularly probably even a female coach through that time to kind of remind me that I could get through it easier. Um, But, you know, I do think it's a certain type of woman who decides I really do need to make a shift. And I wonder, you know, I'm going to ask like a positive, negative kind of question, like on, on the struggle side of things, what is one of the things that you see often as the struggle point for women when they're trying to make a major change in their uh, career? Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely fear. It's the, the biggest thing is fear and fear of the unknown of what's of on the, the other unknown. side of that. Yeah. And people don't want to make change necessarily when they are comfortable with the negative. So they, they get in a place and they're like, well, I can handle this. I know it's a fear of, I, I, it's like the, the known enemy, right? And they know this and they know how to manage it. And it's not very fun, but, and it's hard and it's traumatic even, but they know how to manage it. And so they stay at this minimally adequate place. Mm-hmm. And they're fearful. They're really just consumed with it. And I totally get that. Like, I understand that. They feel very stuck and just a lot of fear. Is there a way of kind of going in and just kind of uh, letting them know that, you know, like what's on the other side, right? Like we we don't know and we don't have any guarantees that anything's going to work out on the other side. But what advice would would you give to maybe someone who's listening who's like, yeah, but I just can't even bring myself to even say what I would like to really be doing, right? Because there are those people out there who just don't even voice it because then it gives it life and they're too scared to do that. Yeah, I would say that in six months, you can be in the same place or in a better place. And I also think that, you know, we all are going to have, we all have to go through hard things and we all can do hard things. And so one of the things when, you know, when you get to choose, you get to choose to do something different and choose to have a possibility of something better. It's always, I don't know, I think it's always a good risk if you can choose to do something with your life that's going to bring purpose and meaning to you. And pain is not, it's it's a really good deterrent. I mean, it just, it's a really good deterrent. And so we, we don't often want to fight through pain because we have it, it's there for purpose, right? We have when when you touch a stove and you get burned, you don't touch the stove again because you were you know that pain. And that's what we do emotionally, right? Like we get hurt doing something. We don't want to do it again. We don't want to go there again because we know it's going to hurt. But you can do hard things. You can. And it, and it will 
the risk of something really great is better than staying where you're at. Yeah. Yes. And I think, I think you're, you're even a living example for the women who get to benefit from, from their work with you, um, just from what, what you have done. I also want to say too, I mean, the one more thing I really wanted to say is that, that, you know, people can be in a place that is not really exciting or not what they really want in life, but it's not bad. Like it's good. And it's like this good place and it's okay. And, and, you know, I'm all right here and there's nothing bad about it. But I really believe that the good can often be the enemy of the best. Mm. I, I I think you're saying they need to know it's okay to want more than like good enough. Yes. Like, yes. 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 I always talk to my clients about, you know, I say, did you just need permission to hear that this was okay today or something? Like, did you need to give yourself permission? So it's okay. Like I think of this in relationships, unfortunately, it's like, there's so many people that are just in stagnant places because they say, well, it's, it's kind of okay. Like it's not bad. We don't fight. We don't do this, but they have like no, no love together, you know? And it's just like, well, you know, you're halfway there. You came in because you said you wanted this change and now you're retreating. But the careers are the same, are, are similar too, because you are in a relationship with your chosen career. And if that relationship has faded and is not doing anything but being a good enough place for a paycheck, and you would love to see what's on the other side of that, right? You just need to have the permission to know it's okay to want more. Yeah, it really is. It doesn't have to be bad. Like I, I do think I mean, I work with a lot of folks that have just gone through bad, you know, that, that they've gone through bad and it got bad, so bad that they were willing to give up and move towards something else. But they, you know, really more things that I hear, I hear more times than not that, um, you know, I wish I would have done this sooner. I wish I, I wish I would have done this sooner because Look at all this great stuff that's out there. Pain's a motivator too. It's not just a deterrent. Yeah. So keeping in mind that, you know, good enough is okay. And wanting more doesn't make you selfish. And I also want to tag on too, because I did bring up the relationships because that's kind of a lot of the world that I'm in, whether it's the actual helping a relationship or helping someone transition in or out of a new relationship, or even on the business end of relationships. I do talk a lot about the people who are transitioning out uh, because that is often when someone comes for help. But I do want to say that couples can go through this as well too. And I know it's a whole other uh, topic, but I also think sometimes the couple can get to that place of more together. And Absolutely. so a lot of times people are scared to look for help because they say, well, what if this leads to the end? Well, it will lead to change. And that's what you're looking for. What that change is, you get to design, right? It's not for the coach. It's not for the therapist. It's you design that change, whether it's your career, your love life, whatever it is, but you get to do it more uh, equipped and supported with knowledge and skills and, uh, you know, the tools that can help you get there. So uh, one more thing on the women that you coach, because we looked at what were the the block, right? And so pain and fear can be a block. Um, Is there a strength-based trait that you see in a lot of these women? You know, something that pulls from out of 
20 women that you might see, they all kind of have this one strength, even though they're coming in for the extra support and the guidance that you can give them as their coach. I mean, I was thinking about this and I really think that there are three things that make people successful in this as they come out of this pain place and even in the middle and they are in the middle of fear and shame and all of that anxiety, all of this stuff. The the three things I think that people have is resilience, like that they have built resilience in their life. They have had some experience that they can draw on that, that it was hard and they got through it. So they can go back and say, that was hard for me and I got through it. So this is going to be okay. Like this resilience piece. I think the second one is that they're willing to be vulnerable. And that is super hard. (laughs) Like that is just so hard. But I think being willing to be vulnerable with themselves even and, and be honest with themselves, but with people to say this has been painful for me. And this is something I struggle with. And this was maybe one of my things that contributed to it. Or I've seen this pattern in my life and they're willing to be vulnerable with me and with themselves and with the people around them. And I think that the third thing is that they have almost to the person, a strong tribe, that they have a community of people that love them no matter what that if they fail at this change there's still be somebody there to love them or they have one person even if it's just one person that is like i'm your person and i'm going to be okay and you're going to be okay cuz i'm here with you and i was okay because you were here with me I, those are the three things i see and and everybody who really really makes a change for such for the better. And even in my podcast, and I talk to folks about that, like I talk to a lot of people about change and, and how they went through some sort of experience to make their life come out at a different place. Um, you know, some sort of transition or transformation. And I think that almost every story people tell me about their tribe, you know, their people. Right. There's, there's always somebody in, in uh, supporting them in some way. Yeah. And that when they fail or if they would fail, that it would still be okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so important for someone to, for, for, for everyone to have that. Um, So, you know, and if you're feeling like you're alone in this, as you're listening and going, gosh, but I don't know, they would judge me. They would this or that. I'm going to bet that if you have someone that you think would judge you, I bet you have someone that you think would support you. If you really kind of go through your little inventory of uh, people in your life. And, you know, one of the funny, one of the funny things I think about people and when they're looking to get into the change is looking to see who are going to be these people that become more of that their closer tribe, right? Because a lot of times we know people that are on the periphery of our lives and we've had certain people close to us. And sometimes it's the people who are closest to us who are not the best to help support us. And we do have to look outside and it's okay to look outside of your original tribe. You're allowed to build and build support. So um, it's great that you mentioned the podcast because I do want to move into that because here's this other area of life that you've jumped into two feet first. And um, you are now, I looked it up, you are like 
almost at episode 40 that's live. And so I know it must mean you have a whole bunch more in the can because that's just how things are done. And so why did you get into podcasting? And since you're at episode 40 or so, uh, I know you enjoy it because it, it is a lot of work and people don't stick with it past episode six or seven if they're not personally getting something out of it. So why did you get into it? And what what can pe- what do people get? So I hear they're getting these stories and you can go back a few episodes. I was on there months ago too, yeah. but uh, yeah, I'd love to hear your take on the podcasting. Oh my gosh. So podcast is kind of this thing that happened. I don't know. I just decided I'm going to do it. It'll be fun. How, I mean, how, how hard could it be? That's sort of my thing. And then I'm like, oh, this is so fun. So my husband and I do this together. It was sort of our little hobby this last year. We have loved doing it. So um, I decided I really wanted to be a voice out in the community of that the transformation can happen, that that this, um, you know, moving from a real traumatic experience or a hard, huge change that happens to you, or, you know, whatever, because of you or any of that stuff, that you can move through that really hard thing to something beautiful. And so I, uh, I start, we started doing podcasting. And I used my thing of I used to be a therapist, which I had told my, my husband years ago, I wanted, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do a podcast called I used to be a therapist, because I didn't know who I was. And I felt like I had learned who I was at that point. And, um, so we started doing that and it kind of has been great. Like, um, you know, it it grew pretty fast and I've had amazing folks. I mean, including you on my show, just such, such great stories. That has been my very favorite part is meeting people from all over the world, um, who have, have had just amazing stories of transformation and hard, hard experiences in life, really hard. I mean, we all have those and using that suffering in some way to make it, to make their life and other people's lives really, really good. And I, I have loved doing every minute of it. Awesome. I love hearing that because I love kind of like getting more people into the podcasting world. And yes. And so, uh, and to hear that you and your husband have done this, because that's, I think that's going to be our last uh, talking point here today is that, so you and your husband now have this project together in the, uh, in the podcast, but you've had lots of projects over the time because you and I are just about the same age, I think. And you have been with your high school sweetheart for over 30 something years, yeah, like 35 uh, years four, or something like that. 35 years. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So Wendy has four kids and four grandkids and, you know, and she's even hosting a podcast now with her husband. So they still get along. So she is in the camp. If anybody has been listening to anytime we talk about relationships on the show, or if you've gone on to Patreon and you're getting those episodes, I'm giving you like little skills and tips uh, all the time in relationships. And we talk about research being done on couples who have stayed together unhappily and stayed together happily. Cause you need to know who's answering the questions. And Wendy is in the camp of the people who have stayed together happily. So I'm going to ask, because that's a rare thing today, to meet someone who is still relatively young in the grand scheme of life to have already put in decades with a partner successfully and happily. So 
what could you tell us about weathering the storms that help you stay together? Because even though even the happiest people have lots of storms in a life together, that spans those that kind of time. Sure. Oh yeah. Like right. We we. But my husband and I we've been together since we were I don't know sixteen or something. Oh. <laughs> couldn't even imagine. And and so, so first of all, I just want to say it's a, it's a bit of luck, right? Because, because I mean, I was 16 and so is he, we were just stupid. You don't like choose people like, okay, I have a lot of wisdom in life. I'm going to choose something, somebody wonderful. So there is some of that, right? This luck and this blessing of finding somebody that you can do that with for 35 years or whatever. Yes, um, at that time, but then you're older and wiser and you're still choosing to be together and making it work. Yes. And so I think, um, I, I do think stubbornness. I also think that we had really good examples. Like my husband and I both have all of our parents and our, I mean, our parents and our grandparents all have been married for more than, were married more than 50 years. So we had really good examples of that. Um, and I think some stubbornness of like, I'm not giving up, I'm not quitting. And, and I also think communicating and being friends like that is probably the biggest things that we could, we were really good at communicating and just talking to each other because we were friends first and we were young and we were just, and that's what we did and just talked to each other a lot. And so we set up our relationship like that. And so we didn't set it up with games and you know how sometimes that happens. And so we set it up like just talking and being friends and we were friends in a group of friends. And so we, you know, it was just very organically that happened like that. But I think our, our, um, ability to communicate and to talk about really what we feel and to walk with each other through and be willing to stay in the hard times and probably the, you know, therapy over 10 year period that we did was really good. Like we went to therapy too, because I just, I mean, we, everybody should. And And that's wonderful that you share that. Right. Absolutely. Um, Over 10 years, I think we, we were just talking about it the other day, actually, about how how uh, my our kids said something about, well, you know, you guys have just done always been so good together. And I'm like, yeah, well, because we went to therapy for 10 years. <laughs> like, you know, we it wasn't really honestly because of any huge bad thing. It was that we needed somebody else to have some input into what we were, you know, Mm -hmm. doing and saying and, and thinking and hearing her, uh, hearing, hearing a different perspective. And yeah, it, it was a really good thing for us through our thirties. I think the whole time through our thirties, we went through the therapy. Yeah. And, and that's, um, and, and 
really important too. And, and I think it really relevant that it happened during that time frame because often that's that's a critical time frame in life. Sure, we were and raising by kids. By that time, and... you, I'm going to assume you had kids by the time yeah. you entered your 30s at that point. Mm-hmm. And um, right. And people are changing. You're definitely not the same people you were when you were 16. You're not the same people you were as when you were 22 when you're in your 30s. You know, it just, there's so much growth that happens. And when couples, and, and I do see that as a very fragile time for couples who have been together since they were young is in their 30s, they'll, they'll come in and go, well, this has been going on and I'm not sure if this is what's going to work. And it's important to pull in that support because you can weather the storm, but you have to gain new tools, right? Because the tools that worked when you were 16, 18, 20, 22, they don't work when you have kids to raise and careers. And um, so it's so really nice to hear that. And also that as a therapist, lots of us therapists, you know, really advocate for everybody should be going to therapy or at least open to it when they know that they're in a rough patch in their own life. Mm-hmm, so absolutely. thanks for sharing that. But the communication though, is what the, the base skill is and the friendship, um, that, that you guys can still connect on. Yeah, we, it's true. And we really do like each other. Like we have a lot of fun together and we always have really had a lot of fun together. So. Oh, it's so nice. And which means your kids probably all have a lot of fun too. I do see that on, I, you know, we're, we're now friends on Facebook Facebook and stuff. And uh, you do look like you got a whole happy little tribe out up there in Oregon. (laughs) Yep. It's, it's way better though, to get through the kids to grandkids. Oh, (laughs) I mean, kids were great. I love my kids, but I adore my grandkids. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. So uh, they're fun and you don't have all the responsibility. (laughs) So Wendy, uh, before we get going, I want to make sure that everybody can uh, find your book and it's called Essentially Better Essential Oils for People with Feelings. And it tells a bit of Wendy's story and also really has a lot of details regarding what type of oils can help in certain ways uh, for different um, for different things that might be bothering you and you might be in need of uh, regarding your emotions. So uh, anxiety is something that has been threaded throughout most conversations with most everybody for the last year. And uh, you know, and there's a lot of information on that in here as well. And so as um, as we all know, you can go to the uh, amazon.com slash shop slash Dr. Colleen Mullen and find the Coaching Through Chaos bookshelf. And, um, and it's actually just on my website, coachingthroughchaos.com. Go to the bookshelf. You'll find it. That takes you right to the Amazon page. And Wendy, if someone wants to work with you personally or wants to get more into the oils, uh, where can they best reach you? Sure. Um, so you can reach me at essentiallybetterlife.com or essentiallybetterlife on Instagram or the essentially better life on Facebook. Uh, you can, you can just find out how to contact me in any of those places. So I'd love for you to reach out. Great. Thanks so much. And I love the name too, essentially better life. Who doesn't want one of those? <laughs> just a little bit, essentially better. Uh, so great. Well, thanks, Wendy, for being with me on the podcast today. It was so fun. It was so fun to have a conversation with you. Thank you. I could just talk with Wendy for hours. She's so upbeat and resilient. And on a side note, about a week after we recorded this conversation, I got a glimpse into how she handles, you know, some adversity. 
there was a storm where she lived. It's the middle of February, and there was a, a winter storm up where she lived, and her family lost power for well about a week. And she seemed to take it in stride. And we had a conversation over email at the end of this. But throughout it, I think she was charging her phone in the car to stay connected somewhat with the world. And, you know, she wasn't posting about complaining about what was happening. It was posting about creative ways to stay warm, how to connect with her family over more simple activities like board games. And she always just seemed to stay appreciative that for as much as situations were not exactly what, you know, you'd hope for... It, it certainly could have been worse. I really admire that trait in people, that one that Wendy's demonstrating that, you know, when the hurdles get put in their way, they just leap over them like an Olympian. Just go ahead and check out her podcast. I'm sure that there's some helpful information there. It's I Used to Be a Therapist, and I'm going to actually uh, post the link to the episode I was on in the show notes. And if you've been enjoying this show, leaving a review for it on your favorite podcast player can help new people find it and help it keep ranking on the Apple charts. You know, I just found out some really kind of cool information that only is happening because you have taken the time to listen to the show. So the show does actually chart on Apple Podcasts in the top 200 of social services category every time a new episode launches. And there's a site called listennotes.com that seems to rank all of the 2 million podcasts, or at least some category of those top ones, and has uh, put uh, Coaching Through Chaos in the top 2.5% of all podcasts. So I was really just blown away by that information. So I want to thank you, and thank you for taking the time to listen, because there are 2 million podcasts you can choose from. So I appreciate you choosing this one. And as I mentioned, this was all new news to me, uh, but it came at a great time because I am looking for wellness partners for the show. So if you actually know any great wellness organizations that would like to expand their reach and would be a great fit for partnering with Coaching Through Chaos, let me know because I'd love to make that connection. And you can make that connection with me on the socials as always. I'm at Dr. Colleen Mullen. And by email, drmullen at coachingthroughchaos.com. Upcoming, I've got the author of the book, When Crisis Strikes, Dr. Jennifer Love. She's going to help us understand how stress affects the brain and the body and what we can do about it. I've also got a rags to riches story and a woman who has a story to tell about her own children and mental illness. And I've got the author of How to Be Happy with Baby and so much more. I can't wait for you to hear some of the upcoming episodes. On that note, I want to say thank you to my editor, Steve Cosio at Podcast Mansfield for his help with the editing process. So let's keep moving forward, challenging and conquering that chaos. Take care.